This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman, and preseason game number one is in the books. A 17-15 win for the Commanders because the score matters, Logan. Remember, winning always feels good. Uh, at least that's what Ron Rivera said in the locker room. We are not really here to talk about the score. We are here to talk about the performance. There is good. There is very good. There is bad. There is perhaps a little bit of ugly in there as well. It's preseason game one. That is what is to be expected. But, Logan, I think the big talking point coming out of this game is the offensive line play. Obviously, the first drive uh, undone by a, a big penalty. Second drive ends in the safety on a hold in the end zone. Both of those are on Andrew Wiley in terms of the penalties were were called on number 71. Yeah. And nobody breaks the offensive line play down better than you. So I, I'm very uh, interested to get your perspective on those plays, on the offensive line as a whole. Because I think we've talked all offseason long about how the offensive line is going to be the Achilles heel as much as anything for this team. They can make or break Sam's season. They can make or break this offense's season. So with this this preseason game one in the books, what did you make of it? You know, I actually, like, people were blowing up my phone, like, you know, last couple of days after the game. Like, what did you think of the office, offensive line? What's going on? Are we in trouble? I hope you responded to all those text messages saying you wait for take command. You listen to the podcast. Yeah, the uh, I, I think the thing. So I've watched the the first drive, first uh, offenses, couple of drives, probably five times now, and I've like really gone through and looked at it. And so what I would say is that the offensive line, I thought on the whole, played well. I think you get four out of five guys who have really really good games. I think you look at Leno. I think on the first play he gives up a inside move to number 54, a guy that there's not going to be a lot of film on. He's relatively new to the league. It was a nice play by 54. And I think people are like, oh, no, like that's classic Leno. And I, you know, Leno has done that in his career. But I would say that that is more just a lack of understanding of like where the back is at and the angle I need to take to get to, to, the, to the player, to, to the defender who I haven't watched on film. And I don't really know like what he's doing. So I kind of chalked that up. And so there's like one mistake for Leno. He gives up a pressure later. But I actually think Chris Paul was a little thick on the shade, you know, like so in the spacing of how they were rushing. Um, basically, there's a wide nine to Leno's side. There's like a, a three technique that plays to a shade. So the slide, so the three-man slide, so center. So Gates, Chris Paul, and Leno are working to the left. And um, Chris just hangs a little heavy on that. His eyes are in the right spot, but he's late to help uh, Leno. So I kind of chalked it up to kind of like just two new pieces working together. And yep. on the whole, I think Leno did some really good stuff like using – play action to kind of set up his jump set. 
um, using the tight ends alignment to set up his jump set, kind of throwing different things at the rusher. So I left the game thinking, man, Leno played pretty good outside of like maybe two plays in, in a 20 play sequence. So, you know, that's an A, the, the way I'm grading it. Um, and then you look at Chris Paul, who I thought had a really good game, played physical football. Again, there were some little things like, you know, can I get to the tackle help earlier when I'm to the slide? You know, are my eyes in the right spot? But that's like really small stuff, quite honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and he, it's the type of thing that with experience, like that becomes more natural. Like yeah. the, the nuances of the position become things you have to think about less. Um, just very, very quick sidebar. Like yeah. if you watched Hard Knocks and you watched how Aaron Rodgers talked about footwork and his eyes and how it all marries, like that's a dude that's been playing for 20 years and it's all second nature. Chris Paul's played no years, basically. Uh, so that the, if he's if he's already just, hey, we got to master that stuff. Like, I think that's great. And he just you see the like, you know, Ron always talks about his play strength. You just see that all the time with him. And he's not always in like the most technically sound, like run blocking positions, but he's just got a ton of power in how he plays. And so, and I see him kind of sitting down bulls, like again, not with great technique. I'm like, man, if this guy can get his technique locked in, like he's going to be awesome because he's, he's playing good football right now. So, and again, this isn't because I work for the team. This is me objectively watching these snaps, like those, those interior guys. So Paul Gates and Cosme, I thought had, excellent games. They almost had a perfect sheet. I think the only kind of play you'd say for Gates is like on the screen, like be a yeah. little bit more aggressive to get that guy in the ground. But, you know, ultimately, like the, like when you go back and watch the pockets, watch the, the five-step, watch the three-step, they are good pockets. And those guys are competing at a high level to kind of keep that pocket nice and clean. I thought Cosme had a really, really nice game. Um, again, there was, there was one where I thought he maybe could have helped Wiley out with eyes, but the linebackers kind of looking like he might blitz. So he's kind of in between, you know, like I'm to the slide. This is my guy and I got to get out there to help out on the tackle. Um, you know, the sack that they gave up wasn't their fault. They, they got the slide going to the left. It's a three man slide. It's a four man pressure. Like you can't do anything about that. Right. Like that's yeah. just the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hand. And he did. Right. And again, and so yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's something that, um, in this offense, this is going to be a big adjustment for people this year to watch. Hopefully something that you see often and you're like, oh, that was great. That was that thing that Craig and Logan talked about being a yeah. good thing for this offense. This offense has hot routes. Yeah. Like this offense, the solution for pressure sometimes is not to block it. And last year, um, you know, Scott Turner's offense, they didn't really throw hot ever. Like that wasn't really a part of that offense. They, they tried to have other solutions to pressure and sometimes they weren't very feasible. This offense, sometimes it's like, hey, six-man six man, uh, blitz, five-man pressure, but we, we're going to put the back in a position to quick release or this yeah. receiver has got to be hot and Sam's just got to get the ball out. And there were, I think, two of those in this game. One of the ones was the one that he tried to get it out to Robinson. He's a little late and it gets knocked down. Oh, um, yeah, by the Gibson. blitzer. So Gibson, yeah. there or yeah, it was it was a Gibson. Yeah. But yeah. like th those are those are, you know, when we talk about a sack being on the quarterback, literally everyone that's supposed to be blocked is blocked. Yeah. But the quarterback's got to get the ball out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because like even on that play, like he he looks and so there's not like there's not like hot routes in the sense that like old, you know, Jason Witten, Tony Romo, where it's like you're adjusting the route to to accommodate the blitz. It's like you should have something in the concept where the ball should go, right? So he, um, so like, I think AEB on that play did a really nice job of, of giving him formational tells, right? He has the tight end kind of solo to the right, the back bumps back into the formation. Instead of shifting, like the defense matches it, they kind of bump, which is usually a pretty good indication of zone. He's got guys stacked over the wide uh, three receiver set. So I'm kind of like, maybe that dude's blitzing, 
dude does blitz, right? And then you're like, okay, that ball's got to go to one of the unders because they're basically running like a like a post, like a corner or a seam, I don't know, seam or post, whatever you call it, and then two underneath routes. The ball's got to go to one of those underneath routes if that's the side you're working. And again, they did a good job. The defense of Cleveland did a good job of clamping it. But for him to go like pat, pat, like I don't care if the dude's covered, you got to get the ball out. Like it's got to it's got to be at the dirt at the receiver's feet, or you just read the wrong side because the other side is to the zone dropping side. So the end is dropping out. It's a fire zone. So they're bringing pressure to the offensive left. They're dropping the defense to the um, to the offensive right. The back to the flat is like never been more open in his whole life. And so I don't know if he's reading the wrong side. There are answers to both sides, but that to me is 100% on the quarterback. And then you look at the, the one you were talking about later in the game where the ball gets tipped going to the back. Like they get double A pressure. It's a six-man pressure. They got five-man in protection. They slide it. He knows where the ball is supposed to go. He just doesn't make the throw. And if he does make the throw, I think Gibson, I'm not going to say he's going to score there, but like that's a big play, you know? And so right. – um, so like that stuff is stuff that the offensive line has no control over really. And outside of those plays, like, I mean, they played really well and let's talk about Wiley. Cause I know people want to hear about Wiley. Yeah. So basically what the thing with Wiley is I felt like, so first off he's going against Cesaria Smith, who in my, for my money is like probably a top 12 pass rusher in the NFL. Like he is, yeah, he's, really good. Good. he's a good football player and you can tell that Wiley you know, hadn't really had a lot of opportunity to study his film, like, you know, because he's in Cleveland, they probably watched the Hall of Fame game to see the defenses they're going to run. But like Zadarius Smith is a guy who likes to, is a speed to power rusher who likes to beat the inside edge of the pass protector. Like he's not a big, like, I'm going to beat you around the edge kind of guy. And Wiley consistently was just oversetting his line. So what I mean by that is like, when you're pass protecting, you got to think there's an imaginary line between me and the quarterback. My, I can't see the quarterback, but I know the rusher is trying to find that line. And as long as I'm in between that line with my hat slightly inside the rusher, I should be in a good position, position to pass protect. And Wiley, I think, again, just maybe not understanding who he was going against, was I'd say probably three or four times was just slightly past that line. And that that is tough, right? Because that Zedari Smith weighs like 285 pounds, 290 pounds. Like some guys you can catch. And hold there with that inside hand. So for him, it's his left hand on the right side. Catch that inside move and kind of sit it down. With him, I don't think you can do that. So you got to be a little bit thicker on the line. And then there's a couple times where he's getting back chip help and he's still oversetting the line. It's like, understand that you're getting chip help. The response of 9 out of 10 rushers is to transition to an inside move or to a bowl, right? And so set tighter, right? Trust the back to do his job. Trust the guard's going to help you when the slides to you. So on the sack, for example, they get in split backs. Alex Armour releases out and he's waiting for the chip. This is exactly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't collision the end. The end runs right into into Wiley, but Wiley's past the point of, of, of his pass rush line and gives a soft and tight shoulder and has to get a holding call in the end zone. Like know the back's there to help you, set accordingly, and Cosby actually has eyes out to you. So all I need to do is kind of lose a little slower, and he's going to come help me. So uh, I think to me, and everyone's like, are you worried about that? I'm not that worried about it because I think that's something that can be corrected. And I know he's working some new techniques with Juan Castillo and Travell Wharton. They're working on this kind of angle set, this B set, this aggressive jump set. And the, those are great sets because they take the air out of the rusher. But they also make it hard to like consistently find your line because you're you're working on a 45 as opposed to working straight back to your line. So a lot of people do it. I think you can get it corrected. Um, and I think physically it's not like he's getting beat like a drum. It's just like a technical execution. 
that I think is going to get better. And I think they can emphasize that because like, you know, when you watch him against Montez Sweat, who again is a big speed to power guy, like he's gotten better each week against that. So obviously he can do it. It's just in this game, I felt like he was a little bit off. And when you're going against a good pass rusher like Darius Smith, it's going to show itself. Yeah, no, that's that's really great insight because he hasn't had the greatest camp, but we've put that in perspective a lot of, yeah, it's hard to have a really great camp going against Montez Sweat every day. Um, Montez Sweat's awesome and he's in his prime and um, that's that's going to cause problems. And it's also the kind of rusher that has given Wiley the most problems. Right. So you, you have your your worst nightmare every day. In some ways, it's great because you can you can try to get better at it because it's in practice. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden you get to a game, you see someone else. Um, the sample size is small. And, and that's the other thing I think that I would emphasize is we're talking about very small sample sizes here. So let's say Wiley does that the first couple of drives. Then they, they correct it on the sideline. Yeah. He gets it right for the rest of the game. Well, if it's, we don't know whether it would have been two mistakes for four quarters or two mistakes every quarter. Like right. we just don't know. And I think people, because it's so concentrated, the kind of um, like the examples are so concentrated, people just extrapolate that out of that's what it would be for the entire game. And obviously we see on the third drive, they're able to put it together. But even on that first drive, like the second drive never had a chance. Um, yeah. That is what it is. The first drive, they were cooking and obviously if you don't have the hold and Bates catches it, like you're really cooking. Mm -hmm. So you get to that third drive and they just keep going and doing the same type of stuff and they put it together. And ultimately Jahan runs this incredible route. Sam puts it uh, a good enough ball out there. He catches it and, and is able to dance into the end zone. Um, but I think what you saw is what this offense can be. You saw some of the quick stuff. You saw the ball get out yeah. quickly. You saw some good use of spacing concepts to give the quarterback options. You saw some of the deeper stuff down the field. You saw the pocket move. You saw play action. Like you saw a little bit of everything. And and I and I do think there was that rhythmic nature to it that once it got going a little bit is not only good, obviously, for the offense as a whole, but like is going to help out the offensive line too. The, and, and by the way, I think another factor on that third drive is they start with a big run. Like yeah. if you can get one big explosive run play, like that changes the entire makeup of a drive. And that's not how those first two drives started, obviously. Yeah, and I think that I like I left the game like very optimistic, you know, about the offense, about the philosophy. And again, this is like just a taste of what we've been seeing in practice. But you know, the formations for the uh, for the um, for the defensive coverage tells and, and the pressure tells, like that's great. You know, throwing at a twenty-one personnel, like that's great because it subverts expectation and helps with pass protection, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of really high-level kind of thought process stuff going in there. But I think it's like, you know, <clears throat> something like, you know, I'm an offensive office coordinator at the high school level. And one of the things that you see is like the second you get a big penalty or you take a negative play or a drop pass even, it gets you out of your offensive rhythms. And so I think when you look at that, I think you say, man, there's all this really good stuff happening in terms of philosophy and 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 kind of vision for the offense. But like it, it's impossible. It's like it, damn near impossible to convert a third and 32. Like it is, it's just like, it's not going to happen. And so like, those are mistakes that kind of compounded and it's hard to overcome. So you gotta like kind of live to play another down, so to speak. And that's what they did. And I, I like that they showed some resilience. I will say the last drive was against Cleveland's like second group, you know, mm -hmm. so you expect them to kind of have that level of production. But I think what you see there is you see a, sh a, um, a crispness to the, to the offense that you haven't seen in a while here. You know, just a, an attention to detail, a rhythm, and a, um, a like a, this is going to sound stupid, but like an artistic perspective, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. That gets me excited for the season. So 
Um, I think there's a lot of good things to glean from it. You know, you mentioned the Wiley thing, which I think is kind of the one big blemish on the day because I think you look at the other four guys, they played pretty good. I think Sam, I think he played excellent. Wiley's kind of the guy. But to your point, like Juan Castillo after the safety, the first thing he says to him, I hear it because like, you know, I'm on the sideline for the sideline reporting stuff. Yeah. It's like, he's like, dude, you're oversetting this. Like, set your angle tighter. And so they know it. They can get that corrected. And I think it will get better. And they, and they, they honestly, I think, you know, in having conversations with people around the building, they know that Wiley's not a perfect player, right? But what they do like about Wiley is that he's a competitive son of a gun who's going to fight every single down. And, and I think there is value in that also. Because when you watch him on the run combinations, when you watch him in the run game, when you watch him on some of the stuff where it requires him to finish plays, he does that at a high level. So I think he's a guy, if football is important to him, he's going to get it corrected. And I think he's going to look much better in this practice against Baltimore, right? Kind of working this new line set. And I think ultimately, like, if you kind of take that out of the equation, you say, Sam played good, the receivers played good, the running backs look sharp. I mean, Gibson looks the best I've seen him look, man. Like, he caught a, like, a little swing pass later in that game. I think Brissett threw it to him. And he his acceleration just looks like it's on a different level, you know? And I think all of those things are kind of coalescing to make this, this nice, not perfect storm, but a very potent offensive um unit i think so yeah um before we get into the rest of the offense and then get into a little bit of the depth we'll talk defense obviously later in the pod too i want to do this uh ask you this before i forget how nervous were you to interview josh harris dude you know that's a really funny story like he was sitting there he's sitting in the front row yeah i was like man should we try to get him and um and the producer's like if you could go for it and so then I was like talking to his security guy that I like know really well. And he's like, man, I don't know if I'd ask him because, you know, like that security guard is used to the former owner and right. the former owner who would absolutely like, would not have done it. Yeah. And probably be pretty pissed at you for asking. And so I just went up and I was like, hey, man, like I, I work for like I know the security guard that was with him. Like it's good to know security guards. And yeah. um, and he was like, uh, yeah, man, like like, hey, Josh, this is Logan Paulson. He works for team. He was like, hey, Josh, really nice to meet you. Um, would you mind doing like a two question interview at halftime? And he goes, like, what's it going to be about? I could tell he's a little apprehensive. And then he goes, just keep it general. And, yeah, no problem. And, I, and like, he was so kind and generous with his time. And, like, it was great. I was a little nervous that we were going to screw up the timing because he had somewhere to be at halftime. So mm -hmm. I was like, let's make sure we're on time with this. But other than that, he was very accommodating, very nice guy. Like, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that he was the owner of a team, let me just say that, which, which, is, yeah. which is very refreshing. Did you get a chance to talk to him at all off camera? No, because he, he was like right from Very the quick. right boom there and then going. So. Yeah. I would love to ask him, like, why were you sitting in the front row? <laughs> and like, I was laughing so hard at that because, like, he's an NBA owner, like, to me. Yeah. That's how I knew Josh Harris before this. Obviously, he owns multiple things. Um, but, like, in the NBA, the owners do sit in the front row. They often right. sit right next to the bench. Um, but in the NFL, like, you sit in a booth, man. And, and I thought it was so great that he was just like, no, I'm going to sit right there. I'm going to yeah. get kind of a feel of the sidelines. Um, but especially when it's raining, like, yeah. I thought it, it was great it, it, that he was on the sideline. I was – and so I was just like – and again, like, you know, as a player, like, you know, ownerships always feel feels feels a little bit distant. Right. Yeah. I feel like this is the ultimate like, no, like I'm here with you on this journey. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like it's it probably I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or whatever, but it felt like I was like, this is really again, as a former player, it felt really cool in the rain to see him hanging out, him and his boy like and the fans were right there with him. It wasn't like. There were five rows of empty seats. It was like people were sitting behind him, Browns fans, who didn't yeah. know who he was. You know what I mean? And it was just That's like so he's there. Funny. It was crazy. So 
I got a ton of respect for that. And, you know, he was great in the interview, really accommodating. So thank you, Josh Harris, Mr. Josh Harris. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was a little nervous, <laughs> you know, because I like, I, I was like, what am I going to ask him? Like, it's like super softball y. And, you know, yeah. he knocked it out of the park. So good for Yeah, him. he's uh, he's he's a smart guy. That's for sure. Any other fun sideline stories uh, we can get to? Then we'll get back into the breakdown. <laughs> well, you know, obviously, like we're standing out there and you're standing out there with a bunch of like seasoned camera guys and, you know, equipment guys on the sideline. And I swear to you, like I'm, I got the, the IFB in my ear, like listening to the truck. And they're like, it might be canceled. It might be, you know, whatever. And the first person to know of the whole thing was the dude that was the camera guy. He like puts his camera down, puts it under the table. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, dude, it's lightning delay, bro. And then like, like five minutes after that, we got the announcement. But he was off the field, <laughs> out of there, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, that's, that's the guy you want to be around, uh, you know, when, when you want updates. So it was, it was really funny. They, you know, obviously great crew. And then being on the sideline, um, like last year I was tethered to a spot. Like I was like plugged into the wall. So I couldn't mm -hmm. really go anywhere. But this year I could like walk up and down and kind of listen to, you know, Juan Castillo talking to the O-line and listen to the linebacker coach kind of, you know, it was just, which was way more fun for me just to kind of see that and hear some of that stuff. So yeah, it was cool. That's really cool. Uh, you did a great job as you always do. I love Thanks, watching man. on the sidelines. <laughs> And, uh, it, we got, we got oh, sad that we only get one more. The ESPN crew do a great job at the Baltimore yeah. game, but, uh, excited to, to have you guys back for Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. All right, let's get into the rest of the offense. Uh, specifically, let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, not a ton of volume of plays to, to talk about necessarily, but um, there's some things that I, I really like. I mean, I feel like the ball gets out quick uh, from mm -hmm. Sam, uh, which was something we were watching going into the game because it hasn't been getting out as quick in practice. Um, obviously, throws the really nice deep ball. I, I, and the other thing, I feel like he had a great feel um, yeah. in the pocket. Something that B. Mitch said on the podcast, and I'm curious now that you've had a chance to watch the tape what you think was like Howell a couple times backed out like looped around like I do on Madden where you kind of like oh pockets breaking down yeah. let me get out the back um and he B Mitch talked about how Brissett stepped up climbed the pocket and then obviously on the one was able to escape for the touchdown to me when I was watching it back and this, and, uh, this is not me like taking a shot at Brian or his analysis this is really hard to do in real time um, and, and that's what he was doing, but like watching it back, I feel like sometimes those pockets were collapsing and there actually wasn't a lot of room to go. And Sam escaping the back was actually the right play, but you've had a chance to watch the tape and like watch from the end zone angle and, and all that kind of stuff. What did you make of Sam's feel for the game and, and how he ultimately executed? Yeah. I mean, I thought he did a, a great job. You know, I think like, you know, 
it didn't look like it was too big for him. He looked polished, all the things that we've been talking about, the ball getting out on time. Obviously, there's a couple things, you know, like the one with the blitz, like, you know, you, I'm sure you're on the sideline saying, hey, man, like, can we get this cleaned up? Because that's a we got to help the O-line out and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I thought the O-line, again, outside of probably three plays by Wiley, had the pockets were clean, man, very clean pockets. And so on the one where he escapes back, I thought he made the right decision because um, Leno's getting bold on his inside shoulder. Leno does a great job of keeping it flat. But again, when that's happening, it's hard to step into that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And he's giving you an edge. Wiley, same thing. So they kind of collapse the edges. He steps out and then he gets more pocket. It's something that they used to do with uh, Seattle quite a bit, you know, with Russell Wilson is collapse the pocket down, like kind of overset on purpose so that Russ kind of gets out in all this spacing and see the throw. So I thought, I think that was the completion of Cole Turner, which, um, you know, that felt right to me when I watched it on film. Like there is a pocket there, but he's not a tall guy and it's collapsing from the edges. So just step back, let it collapse around you. They push it inside and then you've, you've got some time to kind of make see and make a throw. Um, the first one that he scrambled, I thought, you know, it was two man. There was a lot of separation. Again, guy tries to bull Leno's inside shoulder. Leno collapses it. He steps around and there's all that grass there. He scrambles for first down. That, those felt right to me. And then when you look at, um, I think, the second group, uh, you know, obviously they're going against lesser pass rushers. But they had, that second group, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about the depth here in a second. That old line did a, did a fantastic job. What is it? It was Lucas Montero. Tyler Larson yeah. looked excellent, like coming off that knee surgery, like super quick feet, good play strength. He's on the ground once, but again, gets some foot traffic, so that's not his fault. Um, the right guard, oh god, it escapes me. But all the oh, it was a uh, Lufen, Lufenbacher, Lufenbaum, or whatever. Uh, Lofenberg. Yeah, seventy four. Nolan Lofenberg. He's a big dude. Did, but great job by him. You know, good feet, good athleticism, and then uh, Foster, number seventy three, gave up one sack. But I think on the whole, that group did a great job. And again, I think they played more to what um, Brissett does well. You know, Lucas. Like, I mean, he could probably start for this team, quite honestly. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, having that good swing player is so valuable. He did a great job. But they're creating these nice pockets. Larson's a little bit heavier than Gates, for example, so they're able to keep this nice kind of forward-facing pocket. And then, obviously, I think it's important to remember that Brissett's, like, 6'4". So he can yeah. see over that a little bit better. So him stepping up feels a little bit more natural. Like, some of those collapsing pockets, or some of those – they're not, not even collapsing. Some of those tighter pockets with the first group, Howell's in there. But you can tell he can't really see it. So, like, why not speak to your skill set, take a step back, get out of it so you can see it a little bit better. I thought I thought both guys kind of played to their pockets really, really well. And But I really just want to call out that second group. I thought they did a tremendous job of, of just, A, being physical in the run game, B, getting getting guys covered up in the pass game, and, and giving uh, Brissett nice, nice windows to throw in. So Yeah, definitely. One thing that I like, this is so little, but, like, I was like, oh, that was, that was nice. Um, Terry's only catch of the game comes on just like kind of a routine. It's a rollout. Um, oh, yeah, winds up throwing back. A sprint, yeah. yeah, a sprint out. And and it just throws back across and Terry's just kind of in the progression and gets the ball. And, you know, obviously there will be in the regular season more of an effort to force Terry the ball because he's so freaking great at football and getting him the ball is important so that he can do things with it. But I felt like last year the force to Terry was the only way to get him the ball. And seeing that him just get a catch kind of in the flow of the offense like warmed my heart. I was like, oh, that's 
that's great. Easy, like, yeah. let's let's how did how do these guys get 118 catches? If you're you know Justin Jefferson, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's designed, but also just in the progression of a route. Sometimes he gets yep. the ball and and let him be good. And so I, I enjoyed that. Obviously, Jahan, if you can get matchups like that for him, like. That dude's gonna be there. I, I've told, I've said this out loud a couple of times now into microphones, but there's a chance Jahan leads this team in receiving this year. I don't think there's um, a chance. I think that's probably the way it goes. Like, like the way it, the way so they're using good. the way they're using him in practice, the way they can line him up, his route. You know, I've said this before, and I got a little heat for it, but he's a he's a better route runner than Terry. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he is a more varied route runner, and in this offense, that's rewarded. Now Terry is a beast. You know what I mean? He's physically strong. He's very similar stylistically to like AJ Brown, for example. So yeah. he's going to get touches. Um, but I do think I think Terry could lead the team in receiving yards, and Jahan leads in receptions, and it's close behind. That feels right. Yards. Yeah, that feels right. I mean, I think he's the way they're using him. I think he's just going to get a ton of touches, like Jahan. I'm talking about just going to yeah. get a ton of touches, and, and you know, on like underneath soft zones, man to man situations, he's been excellent. So. Um, you know, he said in, in one of the interviews, like I feel like I'm uncoverable in man situations, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know how wrong he is. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. kind of in well, the especially same, if they're going to wind up with a safety on him. Safety or like what was that? The, the second string safety. Like good luck, bro. Yeah. Sorry. It's Sorry, a tough bro. Day. Tough, tough day, day at bro. the office for you. <laughs> um. All right. Anybody down the depth chart stand out either way, good or bad, on the skill uh, position uh, side? I mean, Chris Rodriguez was obviously fantastic statistically. Um, yeah. So he's he's one. Yeah. So that was what I wanted to see from him. Like you know, we talked about it. Like his play style is more like Marshawn Lynch. So it's not going to show up because he's never like, he doesn't look fast in practice. He doesn't look anything special. Yeah. Kinda looks like a when, when you can just like tap him on, 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 yeah. on the butt and be like, oh, we tackled you. The play's over. Like, cool. What happens if you have to tackle him in real life? Yeah. And so like, obviously the second group, like I said, they did a great job. And I gave all those guys a shout out, shout out to them. You know, John Bates blocking for the second group, like gloving up linebackers and putting dudes on the ground. Great job blocking. Obviously, you want him to catch that first ball, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think what you see there is you see a guy like like the runs blocked well. Dudes are hitting off of him, and like I had to watch a couple of clips a couple of times because I'm like, that's a good contact by the linebacker. But Chris Rodriguez looks totally like unfazed by it. So for him to break tackles at that high level again, it's it's versus the second string defense. I'm well aware, but for him to break tackles like that, I think that shows you like, hey, there's tremendous value here for what this guy can bring at this level. Now let's see if it translates to to the, to the next stage, the next level. So he's a guy that really stuck out to me. Tinsley with that catch, I thought did a great job. You know, he's a guy that we've talked about a lot as being very, very polished as a route runner. Um, but in terms of production and practice, hasn't showed up. So nice to see that from him. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else really showed out. You know, I'm going to give my guy his flowers. Braden Daniels, man, he did a really, really nice job. Like, and so one of the things I want to say about him is he's a tremendous athlete. Like he tested very well. They ran some outside zone stuff to him, and he absolutely flew off the ball. Now, he's working against the threes, and he only had, like, two pass protection reps, and one of them was probably a borderline hold. But in terms of run game foot speed quickness, like, it was elite. Like, it's, you know, like his favorite player is Trent Williams. And when you watch his highlights of college, you see a guy who runs like Trent. And so it was nice to see a little bit of taste of that, like kind of that high-level movement skill again. Still got to clean up some of that pass pro stuff, but the movement stuff was like, oh, we haven't seen that in practice. So it was nice that when the lights came on, we got to see, a, uh, you know, that kind of explosive athlete of Brayden Daniels. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really, really stuck out. 
Second line did a great job. Um, obviously, the two kind of guards we've been highlighting the, down the depth chart have done a great job. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, those are kind of the guys that really stick out. Anybody else for you? I know you, you started with Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, Rodriguez was great. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. He's RB3. Got it. Cool. Oh, and good then the catch, check. the catch to um, uh, Pringle, I thought was really good. That, yeah, know, like I mean, he, Pringle. He yeah, Pringle, great. Kemp, uh, just a half shoe size too big right. on the sideline there. Right. A bummer for him. The guy I wanted to ask you about, not necessarily in the good category, um, is Hodges. Um, yeah. He's got, he had, he was the intended receiver on Fromm's pick. Um, I don't know how much that's on Hodges. I feel like Fromm kind of laid him in a bad spot there yeah. with the safety coming down. I deal, like, I know if that was you, right, and you were a player, and I go, reporter me in 20 whatever, asks yeah. you, player in 20 whatever. Hey man, what happened on that play? You're like, I can't let that guy in front of me. Yeah. Right. The receiver's always going to own that. Tight end's always going to own that for his quarterback. Objectively looking at it, I don't think that's a like. I think Fromm needs to see that safety and be like, oh, that that's not going to end well. Um, but you'd also like that at least to be an incompletion. So yeah. you would like a little bit better there. Um, and and that's kind of been his thing is like, how do you finish plays? Yeah. Um, the route running's been good. He he has been okay on the blocking front. Yeah. Um, but how do you how do you finish plays? And so um, for a guy that is very much on the fringe of this roster, like how did you think he played overall? So again, like you like the the route running stuff there. You know, like you see him separating. You're like, golly, man! Like they got to find ways to get him touches in the run game versus defensive linemen and linebackers. I thought he did a nice job. And then there's times where he's like on a DB. And he's just kind of chilling. And I think that to me is the thing that's like separating him right now. Like, I want to see you grind to finish against that small DB. Make him feel you. You're a big man. Like, get after him a little bit. The interception, man, I want to be mad at Hodges. I really, really do. Like, I want to be like, you should catch that. But when you watch the end zone, first off, great route. Great separation on the DB, right? He's passing it off. He takes a nice flat angle out. I feel like that ball should have been right on his, right between the eight and the zero. But when you look at the end zone, he pushes that ball really far to the right. He's almost throwing it to the safety. And Hodges has to kind of really like extend all the way to the tips of his fingers. And the safety's running through his hands to a ball that's like thrown right at the safety. So right. as much as I want to be mad at him, I'm like, that there you're in a really tough spot here. Like yeah, that's you know, like you can't even get your body in front of it to like shield it because it's so extended. Like if the ball's at him a little bit more. He can do some stuff with his body to shield the throw. And he probably is able to split the safety, quite honestly, if that's a better throw. So I want to be like, man, finish that play. You know what I mean? But like it really was at the end of his catch radius and a dude's running full speed into your forearms. And again, you're right. Player Logan's like, I got to make that play or at least knock it down. But Coach Logan is like, that's tough sledding, man. And yeah. like, I'm going to tell you, you got to make that play. But like in my heart of hearts, I know like. Yeah. That's a tough hey, deal. do whatever you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad at you, but like, let's yeah. next time. Can we figure out a way? Yeah, but and I think yeah. that's exactly what I what I would say to him. It's like that. I know, I know it's tough. You know, it's tough. But like, let's see if we can make the quarterback right here. Uh, but again, yeah, like, so I don't know if I put that in the finish category for him, but definitely some of the run game stuff, some of the, like just the details on the routes, like just just play ball, move like you can move all the time, and. You should be you should be on the roster is what I'm gonna say. Like you yeah. should like from the high stuff you've done from the flashes, you should definitely be here. But I definitely think there needs to be, I would say, uh, maturity has a negative connotation. I don't want to say that, but like you need to grow up as a player. Let's just is that safer? Yeah, no, I don't play, be play maturity. Right, yeah. like you might be perfectly fine off the field, and like 
you know, you can buy your own groceries and you're in. Yeah. Um, but like as a player, maturing means playing more consistently at all times. Yeah. It's not just like, hey, let me let me fire on all cylinders for three of every four plays. It's how do you get there at four out of every right. four plays? Right. Like, um, that that happens. You get older, and you understand that like that's the standard in the league. So yeah, maturity is the from a from a football sense, I think is the right word there. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's the offense. Obviously, a uh, big week ahead for them going against the Ravens. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, with the joint practice stuff later in the week, but let's talk defense. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. Uh, the unfortunately the biggest probably major story is Chase Young only plays four snaps in this game. Has the stinger comes out. the The stinger comes on a play where he damn near gets a sack. That is looks great. Ridiculous. Just you know, forklift prize open the offensive tackle. Um, unfortunately, that is also a part of a drive where. Uh, you know the first team de- or first team offense marches right down the field yeah. for Cleveland before uh, you know credit where it's due they bow up and get the stop Montez Sweat makes a great play on fourth down and goal but uh, what did you make of the the first team defense overall things to be happy with things to 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 clean up and what is very very limited number of reps against the one and only drive of Cleveland's offense yeah first off I think Deshaun Watson looks like he's kind of getting back to form, you know, and so I think yeah. that's going to be a dangerous proposition for everybody that they're going to play this year. Um, I, I love the rush by Chase in terms of highlights of the drive. Like, that was awesome. Like, really, really good stuff. Like, it's it's what, sh- it's what you've been wanting to see. You've been seeing hints of it of practice, but you love it. Good angle, running through, lifts the outside arm, nice pull on the inside pad. Got to finish the play, but, like, that's a that's a nice win, man. Yeah. And obviously, and also, nice. Big Phil pulled up on that play as well. And had yeah. he not been not pulled up, maybe he finishes it. So. Yeah, right, right. So I think um, so. So that that was a nice surprise, you know. I thought um, Jamin Davis did some good stuff. I know they cut the out route on him on the first play, but I feel like he's playing with good leverage. I feel like he's dialed in, limiting that to a five yard gain. You know, you're not supposed to get beat across your face. So that's something that, like last year against Jacksonville, you remember he's getting beat by Christian Kirk across his face for those big explosive plays. I think that shows a development and a maturity from him. So that's good. Um, I really felt like on some of the uh, pin pull run stuff, I think specifically the big run to Moore, I felt like Cody Barton um, is like shooting his gun, like down mm-hmm. into the B gap a little bit. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know their fits. So again, like this is, I'm just saying like from football, anytime you pull somebody and they pull two guys on that play, 
you're adding gaps to the strength of the run. So even so, even though that 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 is your gap at the start of the play, when that dude pulls, you've now added a gap plus to the side of the run. So I'm kind of wondering, and they did that a couple times, and I felt like a couple times he triggered in like the A or the B gap. And I'm like, there's right. no way you should be in. There's like, if they're playing sound defense and you're not blitzing, you should be probably one or two gaps over to kind of spill that guard. So I mean, I, where the ball wound up going yeah, and getting yeah. out. Yes, actually, if, if you're trying to be more specific. <laughs> um, so that was something that like, I like how he's moving. I like how aggressive he's playing. I like the the athletes. But again, I, I kind of wonder. And again, this these are new runs. They haven't like game plan these runs defensively. But though that was something that was like, this doesn't seem 100% correct. So just something to keep an eye on, especially against Baltimore, who's going to pull a whole bunch of people and do some stuff like, how are his run fits? Um, I thought Jamin, again, Jamin in the run game, I thought did some good stuff. But again, like I think he missed a tackle on Deshaun Watson, but it's in the right spat, like running fast to the football, forces it back, Montez is able to make the play. Great job. I thought Casey Tuhill on that screen to – and Joku does a good job of like getting up the field and getting back out to the screen. Benjamin St. Juiced as a run player, I thought did some good stuff, but I think he's never going to be like this elite, like nickel that's making all these tackles, but I thought looked good defensive tackles in terms of rush discipline. I thought the edges were doing a good job of like collapsing the edges down. So that means that underneath you got to make sure you're compressing that pocket vertically. And then that's going to limit some of that Deshaun Watson scramble ability. And they didn't game plan this. They're probably just out there calling what they want to call. But that's something, again, to keep an eye on is like discipline of that rush. Because I thought the edge rushers did a pretty good job of like compressing horizontally. So now you got to compress vertically. And I'm not sure that was all there all the time. So something to keep an eye on. But I think overall, secondary did a good job. Um, Forbes made a nice tackle on the goal line. Uh, Cam Curl looked like Cam Curl. Um, Forrest, I thought looked very mature and made some really nice tackles in space. So the back end, I thought kind of checked some boxes. Um, and I think the front again, game planning for runs that you haven't seen versus especially like a Callahan led run scheme where you're going to pin pull and move guys around and it's going to be very complicated and nuanced is kind of what I expected. I figured they'd have a hard time with it in a full week of prep. They probably look a lot better. But that's just kind of high level. And obviously, they're able to make the, the play in the goal line to seal it. But, um, you know, yeah. like, got to give credit on that. Yeah. And then they look good against the the twos. Um, they went back out there. Yeah. It was kind of a mixed unit at that point. Yeah. I think some of the D linemen had come off. Um, but they they look good. Um, I think some of the other guys that stood out as you get deeper into the game, like, we know Percy Butler's fast. Oh he gets gosh, the pick. Dude. And when he took off, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, can we make him a can just can someone else catch a kickoff, hand it to Percy Butler, and tell him to run as fast as he can? Because if he can't catch a kick, like we can figure that out. That dude is flying. But I, I think the other thing, like all jokes aside, is like he made some plays with that speed outside yeah. of the pick. Like the pick, you're in the right spot. It's an overthrow. You catch it. You do the best you can with the ball in your hand. But like he he was flying around pretty good out there, which was great to see. Christian Holmes looked awesome. Um, yeah, super you know, physical. Not always really, the tightest coverage, but like again, yeah. like a guy that's like playing physical football and like, and I don't want to cut you off, but like Percy and Jeremy Reeves, that second kind of safety yes. group, both those guys did a fantastic job. And to see Percy run it, like he on the pick, obviously it's great to see his speed, but there's a couple times where he's the backside box player. They're running a jet sweep to the left and he is bypassing literally everyone to get there to make the tackle. And like to see that confidence and that explosiveness 
from him is great. The physicality of Jeremy Reeves, the physicality of Christian Holmes, like that's a guy who looks like he's playing much more confident football. And Christian Holmes with a performance like that almost ensures he's going to be on the roster because he's so good at gunner. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, I was, so, was going to say, he's actually, he made some plays on teams too, which is actually probably yeah. more important for him. Yeah. And so like to see the physical play on defense supports what you see on teams and you know, you're getting a guy who's much more confident, much more physical. So I think, I, you know, I don't want to like overstep here because there's still a lot of time left, but, but that type of performance, I'm like, he's on the, he's on the roster now, you know, he's on the 53 basically because of the physical play. Um, yeah. So I think that the, those guys definitely, definitely, definitely deserve some shout outs because they Reeves, Holmes, Percy, were, were really, really good in the back end. And I think you saw a, a kind of a big drop-off when they did leave the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, if you want a full 53-man roster projection, Monday on the Hockey Show, <laughs> we will do one. Um, we're going to do one every Monday. Um, I guess next week we'll probably do it on Tuesday after the Ravens game, but we're going to do one uh, after each of the preseason games, kind of keep things updated as we go uh, on the radio show. Um, so two guys that I have questions about uh, mm -hmm. in terms of their performance, and part of it is like, didn't expect to see them on the field at this point in the game. Rashad Wild Goose has been practicing with the ones quite a bit yeah. um, in, in camp. And he is out there at outside corner to the end of the game, basically. What did you make of that? And does that change at all what you thought of kind of where he is in the pecking order? Uh, not really. I think, you know, he's been the second nickel, I think, for the most part during training camp and like kind of very firmly established there. And I kind of felt like Quan was. He they was were the like, guy. they were yeah. trying to figure something out with Quan. So Quan played nickel pretty much the whole game. You know, like he didn't play safety, didn't play the Buffalo nickel role. He played like true nickel. And I thought he did a pretty good job in coverage. Obviously, he gets the holding penalty, but I think like, well, he's got he's got the two penalties and the touchdown. What, what was the penalty? What was the second? There one? was a DPI. That one was, I think, a pretty I, soft call. Yeah, so did I. I thought that was um, good coverage. I thought, like, yeah, I thought it was good coverage, but he it was called. And yeah, the touchdown is is on him. That was the um, uh, like it was completed with him being right there. You can yeah. talk about the responsibility element. Yeah, so I think the last touchdown was a Tampa two, and I think he was playing safety, right? Like I don't know, he was like to the if the guy's catching the ball, he's like behind that guy, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, like, basically, the, the that's the soft spot in that coverage. And if you unless you've got a really good mic, those are really easy balls to complete. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. that mic linebacker should be, based on vision, running his butt off to that scene. Well, no, sorry. That was that was the, the last touchdown, which I yes. think was Burgess was, was right there. Yes. My guy, Terrell yep. Burgess. The first touchdown that they give up, Quince, yeah. you know, isolated there. Like, that's it's a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. I mean, they're in like a zero or like what you'd call like in cage eight if you're in Madden, but no one actually yeah, runs in Yeah, give us that eight. Madden terminology. <laughs> yeah, but it, unlike in Madden where you're playing like some type of zone behind it, here you're actually playing like true man. So um, it's a two by two formation with the back offset to the right. So you could say three by two, depending on how you want to call it. So basically you got to kind of identify coverage players. So Quan's over the slot player to the left. And I don't know a lot about their zero rules because they don't do it all the time. But I would imagine they'd want him shaded slightly inside on this. And he seems to be shaded slightly outside um, because like the thing that kills you versus zero, because like all the safe, the safeties are blitzing, right? They're running in the line of scrimmage and blitzing. So there's this huge cavernous hole in the middle of the field. Um, and so I would imagine you'd want to eliminate that as much as possible. Um, and I think like he just doesn't. And I, to me, like, am I concerned about it? Not really, because like those are much like the Wiley thing. Like, this is a technical alignment issue. 
that again can be corrected. One of the things about Quan throughout this training camp is he has not lined consistently up in one spot. He's been mm-hmm. playing post safety. He's playing nickel. He's been playing box safety. He's been playing buffalo nickel. Like he's literally played like all the positions on the back end of the defense. I don't know if he's played outside corner maybe once or twice, but the yeah. point still stands. Like he's played five positions, so he's got to know five different sets of rules for five different for every every single coverage principle, right? Which is going to help him learn the defense, obviously, but it's also going to make him a little bit less sharp in situations like this, where it's like, what is the nickel doing, man? I know my guy. I know my depth. I got alignment. Like, where am I trying to shade? What am I trying to do here? And I think that, if, again, I don't know what their coverage principles are here, like in terms of how am I supposed to shade on the offensive player? But I would assume just looking at this, they probably want inside leverage to force that out, force the longer throw as opposed to force the shorter throw. And you see guys right. who've been in this defense for a couple of years now, like Cam Curl, he's made the same mistake. I've seen it, I think it was against um, – Maybe not Cam, but it was versus uh, San, San Francisco. Same thing, in-breaking route in a zero situation. Um, and, like, that's tough. But I think this is something that I, I would imagine is very, very easily fixed in terms of alignment and position. Yeah, um, he seems a little flat-footed too, which might be might be the technique there. Um, but it's the kind of thing where it's, like, logically down-distance situation. Like, you can't get a, let a dude run into the end zone and have a, yeah. a, a, an easy access, you know, from or from the quarterback to him. Um, so you, you know, I don't know whether it's, Hey, I should actually press up on that a little bit more, whether it's the shade, whether it's whatever, whether you just have to be ready to drive a little bit quicker, but clearly something technical, um, on yeah. there. And, and to, to that point, right. Quan's like on information overload. Do you, yeah. do you think that Toby Altizer asked me this? I was on with him yesterday, uh, or on Saturday on, on the fan. Um, and he's like, are they doing too much with Quan? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I think there's benefits and there's drawbacks. Um, and, yeah. and it just depends on what they ultimately want to be able to do with him. And I don't feel I don't feel comfortable answering that um, definitively. But I'll ask you the same. Like to the like, what are the what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? And you know, how do you how do you think they're handling him? Well, ultimately, I think Quan is a good football player. Like when you watch him in practice, I think he's instinctive. I think he's smart. I think. I, you know, talk, talk about the second holding all you want or the one on uh, Tillman number 89. Like, I think that is good coverage. And I think that yeah. in, a, in a normal game probably doesn't get called. Like that's good. He's good with his feet. He's in good position, maybe a little tug with his left hand, but it's super ticky tack. And to bat a ball down like that is, is pretty high level. So penalty gets called, whatever. But I think when I look at that play, I say that's the type of player I want in this defense, someone who has that ability and is someone who's pretty physical in the run. Like he made some tackles in the run game, which I haven't seen him do in practice, which is good. I think the thing is because he's a good football player and because you invested some draft capital, in him, you want to find a way to get him on the field. But right now, how do you do that? Like, that is my question to the staff. Like, how do you get this dude on the field? You're going to take Cam Curl off? Probably not. Forrest? Probably not. St. Juice? No. Right? Like, where does he fit? So, if he's backing up every spot, it increases the likelihood that you get a very good football player onto the field. So is he an information overload right now? 1,000%. Like 1,000%. He's got so much going on in that brain. Like I haven't talked to him, but I just just knowing as, as an offensive player, having to yeah. learn. I mean, like, you had to learn multiple tight end spots. Yes. And, like, and it's that not in itself was and hard. It, they're, they're essentially the same. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still really hard. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and he's doing something that I think is kind of like, I don't want to say completely different, but there's, there's much more variance in what he's doing. So um, I, I think they're doing the right thing. I think at some point they got to be like, Hey man, like we got to get him comfortable with something. And so what does that look like? Is he playing? Cause like, right. And again, like he's not going to go on the field before Percy right now. Percy's playing his face off. 
Jeremy had an excellent game yesterday. He's an excellent yeah, he camp. So it's like, where's the ne- next spot? It's like Wild Goose. He's probably the same as Wild Goose, maybe a little bit more physical tackler. Maybe he's the backup nickel. So just like working through the drill, it's like that's where he's most likely. So maybe we give him more reps there because like that's where the, the shallowest depth is. But I, I'm sure he's got a lot going on. This situation, again, like this is where you see the details of like what we're talking about coming to play. It's like, yeah, the technique is probably play fat-footed with inside leverage. So when he breaks inside, you pick the ball off. You know what I mean? Like, But here he's playing outside leverage and is in a bad spot when the guy makes the slant. So I think it'll get better for him as it gets a little bit tighter. Um, and I don't think he played bad, honestly. Like, I know he had two yeah. plays. He gave him a touchdown. Like, when you look at it, this this play is not great. This touchdown is not great. I think he could be in a better spot. And I think the coaches and he would probably tell you the same thing. But I think you saw enough of, like, why he's a second-round pick. And you saw enough of the physicality. You saw enough of the approach. The competitiveness, I want to say. Like, maybe that that's probably overrated in a lot of circles. But for me, it's not. I saw a dude who's a competitive football player. And yeah. sometimes you don't see that. So, um, not his best performance, but I also don't think it's something where you say this guy sucks. And right, it's, it's the first preseason game. Yeah. Like, if yeah. who cares if he sucks? Make after, mistakes now. After Figure a it dude, out. After a dude's been playing literally five positions in training camp, like right. he's going to make some mistakes. Hundred um, percent. I and it's also like, how many times has he had that rep in camp? Right. Yeah. How many times have they? How many times has he been in the nickel in goal line in camp? Not very often, probably. Like yeah. by the nature of him moving around so much, probably not yeah. a ton. And how many times have they called cover zero? Point. That's like a great point. he might have seen that once or twice. And like you can present it in meetings and whatever, but like this is why it's it's so easy to sit here and say, in this situation, you are supposed to do this. But when you are out there and the play clock is running and it's live and it's fast and you're tired, um, and all of those things, like, can you remember? And you know, I'd rather him make that mistake and not remember now than yeah. in week nine when you're trying to get in the, in the middle of a playoff race sure. and all of a sudden he's out there. So that's that. Uh, last last thing, just pure housekeeping. Any idea why Kendall didn't play? Just they needed DB reps know. for other dudes. Like, I what, don't know. any idea? In in the, in the list of guys that weren't supposed to play, like we got before the game, I'm talking about yeah, it was Sadiq the, and Logan. Yeah, Sadiq and Logan. So uh, of the guys, so like I have like a list in my head of guys that I potentially wouldn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always like older guys, like veterans that you feel really good about. So like Leno, if like Leno didn't play, especially cause you've got, um, uh, Cornelius, like yeah. I'd be like, fine. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Fuller. Like he's like an eight year vet. Like he's been around a while. He he's knows been the in defense. the system. Yeah. Like he does, does he need to be out here with this group? Like chase? Yeah. Probably need to see him a little bit on t- I mean, they had like 10 snaps. So I don't know. Something might've happened. Rain delay. He's an older guy. Like. Yeah. probably like, Hey, let's just be smart with them. Maybe I'm not feeling hundred percent going back out for warmups. You know what I'm saying? Something I, I, I don't want to speculate, but like, it, I, I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's a big deal. So yeah, Ron, I'm sure we'll get asked about it. Uh, by the time anyone hears this, uh, today, uh, Monday. Um, so we will uh, get that answer then. And then, uh, practice Monday off to Baltimore. Uh, I'll yeah. be, are you at the joints? Uh, so we were going to go, but we couldn't get the, uh, we couldn't get it all logistically worked out. So we're going to do Monday's practice. This are going to be our show. And then gotcha. I'll, all right. Well, I again. will be at the joint practices Tuesday and Wednesday, so I will get to go, which will be very fun. That will be uh, fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to report back on the atmosphere and of course the football. Uh, so we will recap those. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of our recording schedule. We might do it after the first, or a pod after the first one. Uh, we might just wait till the second one. So this is why boys and girls, you subscribe to the podcast because then when we do one, it goes fresh to 
your podcast feed. Of course, you can also watch the pod each and every time we publish on YouTube, full episodes at 1067 The Fan on YouTube, clips on my page at Craig Hoffman. All right, that is it. Uh, tomorrow, uh, by the way, speaking of the joint practices, quick preview, why, why joint practices? We will answer that in take five, so make sure you're subscribed for that as well, and we'll see you then here on Take Command.